Hey everybody, Chuck Lee Master with Team Faith here, and we are halfway through the GNCC winter break. Won't be long, and we will be lining up again at uh, Big Buck. But for right now, being at the halfway point must mean that it is time to set up the tree and light the fire, or at least put on YouTube on your TV, and which is what I've done. So there you go. Merry Christmas, everybody. Uh, it's also the time of year where we give gifts to one another. And this right here is what I am giving my son Trevor for Christmas. He's 15 years old and earlier this year we went out and we shot skeet and he was a natural at it. He's really good and I think uh, I think he's really gonna love what I got him, which would be a Weatherby 12 gauge over under shotgun. And I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, man, I can't believe you just said what you got him. What if he sees this video? Well, don't worry, he's not gonna see it. He's a preacher's kid. He's gonna see that his dad posted a video of preaching and he's gonna click like if he even does that and go on about his business. So it'll still be a surprise for him Christmas morning, but um, you can have a little fun with it when you see him next year. You can say, hey Trevor, how did you like your shotgun for Christmas? And uh, he can be really surprised and say, how did you know? And you know, you can spill the beans then. <clears throat> on the other hand, I might be wrong and he might see this. And if you see this, Trevor, well, um, you can open this as soon as you get over here and we'll go shoot. Being that it's Christmas time, we give gifts to one another, I want to take a few minutes and just talk about the first Christmas and the first gifts. That would be Matthew chapter 2, the story of the wise men and their gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Gold, of course, we know what that is. Frankincense is an incense, burns it, smells really pretty, and myrrh is the, I guess that's the first century essential oils. Very expensive healing properties, smells really pretty, you know, all that good stuff. And uh, so that was the gifts. It's often called the three wise men. The passage doesn't actually say that there were three of them. It says there were three gifts. And from that we take, well, there must have been three of them, but there could have been, could have been two of them. Could have been 12 of them or 100. We, we don't know. Anyway, what we're going to do tonight is go through a few. Uh, well, we're going to separate the fact from the fiction on this Christmas story. So digging right into it, Matthew chapter 2, find my place. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, I'll pause right there, Herod the king, we know about Herod from Matthew chapter 2, Luke chapter 2, also the uh, secular historian, the Jewish historian Josephus tells us about Herod. He was a petty, um, timid, weak Tiny little man, a scurvy of a man. If you've if you've watched uh, the the what was that movie, the old timey movie, the scurvy of a man. It's a wonderful life. Um, Herod had ten wives. He killed one of them. He killed her two sons because he felt that they were a threat to the throne. I think it was Julius Caesar said of uh, of Herod the king that it was safer to be a pig in Herod's house than it was to be one of his sons. Uh, he was that kind of man, and uh, not a not a good king. But he was a king over the, the Judea region. He was put in place by Rome, a whole bunch of drama there. You can read the story of Herod. There's multiple accounts of, of him and how awful he was. But uh, nonetheless, Herod the king, in the days of Herod the king, uh, Jesus was born in Bethlehem. Wise men from the east came to Jerusalem. We three kings of Orient are, right? That's the song that goes. Wise men from the east. Did they come from the Orient? Did they come as far as, uh, as China? Uh, we're not told that. We just know that they were from the east. And it, we believe it probably was Persia or maybe it was Babylon. Persia would be modern-day uh, Iran. Uh, Babylon would be modern-day Iraq. Um, anyway, to the east of Jerusalem, these wise men come. And they say, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. 
couple things here. They saw a star when it rose. What does that mean? I mean, all of our Christmas depictions are this bright, shining star, and you just can't miss it, and it's leading the, the three wise men. Um, we saw his star when it rose in the east. Well, stars are millions of light years away. I mean, it would be, it would be shining over Jerusalem just as much as it would be shining over the whole region of, of Israel. So what did that actually mean? We don't know. Was it just the wise men that saw the star? Could be. Uh, but the bigger question is, we've come seeking he who was born king of the Jews. How did they know? We don't know. We aren't given the whole story. But that's the important part is that they knew. They knew why they were following that special sign, that supernatural sign. They knew they were coming to seek he who was born king of the Jews. We're not sure how they knew that, but the fact that they knew it is hugely significant. Reading on in the story here. For we saw his star when it rose, we come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and all of Jerusalem with him. Yeah, I'll bet he was troubled. You know, he's the one that was willing to kill his own sons so that he's not threatened, so that his throne isn't threatened. Um, Herod, actually, that title, King of the Jews, of course, we're applying that to Jesus because he was the King of the Jews, but that is actually the least of Jesus' titles. I mean, he's the King of the universe, the King of the world. He's the King of all men. He's the King of everything, least of which would be King of the Jews. But that title, King of the Jews, was actually what Herod bestowed upon himself, was King of the Jews. And so he's troubled. All of Jerusalem is with him. And assembling all the chief priests and the scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. And they told him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for so it is written by the prophet. And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For, for from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. And so Herod asked them, Where would this guy be born? And immediately they're able to point to a prophecy from Micah 700 years ago who said it would be in Bethlehem. Then Herod summoned the wise men secretly and ascertained from them what time the star had appeared. So apparently Herod couldn't see it or if he, or it was inconsequential to him and he couldn't see it. We're not real, really too sure about that star at this point. But uh, what time did the star appear? And he sent them to Bethlehem saying, Go and search diligently for the child and when you have found him, bring me word that I may worship him also. After listening to the king, they went out their way, and behold, the star that they had seen when it rose went before them until it had come to rest over the place where the child was. So here we get a little bit bigger picture of that star. And at the very least, it leads them from Jerusalem to Bethlehem, a journey of about five miles. But here, very specifically, it says that the star leads them. I get the impression that they are probably the only ones that can see the star. Just my impression. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary his mother, and they fell down and worshipped him. Then opening their treasures, they offered him gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh. And being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed to their own country by another way. And so there's the story of the three wise men is what we call them. And again, could be any number of wise men. Were they kings? We're just told that they're wise men. But through this story, we've separated a little bit of the fact from the fiction. 
But I don't mind the fiction. This story has certainly been romanticized over the years. And I've grown up uh, with nativity scenes. I've grown up hearing this story, reading this story every Christmas time. And, uh, you know, it's a very, very familiar story. I don't mind that it's been exaggerated. I don't mind that we've added some, taken some liberties and added some magic to the moment. Because the story of the birth of Christ is the one story that certainly deserves to be romanticized. I think we would be we would probably be shocked to find out how humble that first Christmas actually was. Nonetheless, God sent His own Son to this earth. It was indeed a holy night. And so having a Christmas tree and giving gifts to one another and celebrating the birth of the Son is something that we ought to do and we ought to embrace it. But there's something in this story that I've read a hundred times no doubt, read it a hundred times, and never really caught my attention until this past weekend at church at Calvary Chapel Northside, Pastor Brian uh, spoke on it briefly, and it just kind of hit me, and I wonder if maybe it didn't catch your attention too. Let me just go through the story again real brief. Some foreigners from a far land to the east, they come into Jerusalem and they catch the king, they get an audience with the king, and they say, hey king, we are looking for a special child who has just been born, the king of the Jews. And Herod, in his jealousy, he's like, wait a second, (laughs) I'm the king of the Jews? Who are these guys talking about? He's like, I'm not a Jew myself, but I'm ruling the Jews, and I know they have some strange customs, they have some unusual beliefs, they have this God that they believe in, they got these scrolls, they got the Torah, they got these religious leaders. I mean, hey, if anybody could tell me something about the king of the Jews being born, I'll bet it would be one of those Jews that could tell me. And so he goes to the top Jew, the chief priests and scribes, the religious leaders, the learned men, the scholarly. And he asked them, and he says, Hey, if there were a king that was going to be born, like king of the Jews, would you know anything about that? I mean, does your ancient scripture say anything about that? And immediately they say, Yeah, the prophet Micah, 700 years ago, wrote in Micah chapter 5, verse 2. Of course, they didn't have chapter and verse back then, but they knew it immediately. But you, O Bethlehem Ephrathah. Ephrathah was actually the father of Bethlehem. If you read in 1 Chronicles chapter 4, uh, you'll find the, the lineage of how Bethlehem came to be. But you, O Bethlehem Ephrathah, who are too little to be among the clans of Judah, from you shall come forth for me one who is to be ruler in Israel, whose coming forth is from of old, from ancient days." Immediately, they knew exactly who and what Herod was talking about. Now that begs the question, what did they do next? Because if you had been waiting for 700 years for a prophecy to be fulfilled, and somebody came and asked you something about that exact prophecy, your spidey sense would go off, right? Like, hey man, where did you hear about the king of the Jews? And who's here? And they want what? They have a star? I mean, immediately, we'd be like, saddle up, we're riding to to Bethlehem. (laughs) But what actually happened in this story? A big old shrug of the shoulders. Nothing happened. Matter of fact, Herod pulls the wise men aside and he says, it's Bethlehem that you're looking for. When you get there, search diligently until you find this Christ child so that I can come kill him. I mean, worship him. Wink, wink. Where were the scribes? Where were the chief priests? Where were the people that actually knew about this, that knew the 700-year-old prophecy? What were they doing? Why weren't they on board with this? 
Consider the source. Foreigners from a far land. Well, that God wouldn't do that. We are the seed of Abraham. We are God's chosen people. We are part of the Abrahamic covenant. God wouldn't send foreigners whole, wouldn't he? You've been around GNCC Chapel. You know there are three parts of the Abrahamic covenant. God comes to a guy named Abram, changes his name to Abraham because he's doing a thing. He says, I'm going to do a thing through you. I'm going to use you to do it. Lots of people, lots of land. The whole world's going to be blessed because of you. That third part, the wise men, part of the whole world outside of Israel. I love how God used them. Like I am bringing that. The first and second part are done. We're on to the third part. Now I'm bringing in outsiders to proclaim the good news that the king of the Jews has been born. And the religious leaders passes them right by because God wouldn't do that. You see, Jesus was marginalized and looked down upon his entire life. Twelve years old, he goes into the temple and everybody's like, where'd this kid come from? How does he know so much? He starts his ministry and the people are like, we were not born of sin. A slight to Jesus because we know who your mom is. She wasn't even married when she had you. Immaculate conception? Yeah, right. And yet, Jesus, the King of the Jews, the Savior of the world, born in such a humble manner, proclaimed, well, in Luke chapter 2, proclaimed by the shepherds. Did you know in first century, shepherds couldn't even testify in court? They were such a motley crew and untrustworthy that they weren't even alive. If a shepherd said it, you could bet it was false. And God used shepherds to herald the coming of His Son. God used outsiders from the east to proclaim that the king of the Jews had been born in Bethlehem, fulfilling Micah 5.2. And the people today passed them right by because they had expectations of who the Messiah was going to be, what he would look like, and what he would do, and certainly he was going to conquer Rome. But Jesus came for a greater purpose. He came to conquer sin. He came so that we may have eternal life. You see... We aren't that much different from that first century crew of religious leaders. I travel around, I talk to a lot of different people, and I hear it all the time. Well, I'm a pretty good person. I think I'll make it up there. Hey, Chuck, you're a pretty good person. Why don't you put in a good word for me with the man upstairs? I don't know if I'll make the cut, but if I do, see you there. Friends, ah, come on. The truth is right here. We don't have to make up what we think about God. We don't have to make up ways to get into heaven. We don't have to think that God would do it this way. We know it's right here. All have sinned. All fall short of the glory of God. The wages of sin, the penalty, the payment for sin is death. Jesus was the only one who lived a life without sin. God's own Son come to this earth, lived the life that we could not lead, died in our place. But His death means nothing if you don't accept it. God loved the world so much that He gave us His only Son. Whoever believes in Him will not perish but have everlasting life. Well, I believe, I believe in Jesus. I believe that that baby was in the manger. I believe, you know, like Talladega Nights, pray to the little baby Jesus in the manger because that's, that's where we like him. 
means so much more than that, friends. You see, when you believe in Jesus, when you believe, you have a full understanding of your sin. You have a full understanding of your shortcomings and how unworthy you actually are. It's not about becoming a good enough person to get into heaven. Only Jesus, Jesus himself said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. An example, or a personal story, I guess. 16 years ago, I was living my own way. I had my idea of how life would be great. I, I would be an entrepreneur. Um, you know, I would be making lots of money. Um, I certainly liked girls and liked having lots of sex and um, drinking a lot of beer. And I was miserable. I was absolutely miserable. I was, on the, I was teetering on bankruptcy. I, I had a, a pregnant girlfriend who, you know, Trevor was born in March of 2006. And it was that moment when he was born. Well, I, it was that moment that I surrendered my life. But before that, I had been so miserable that I started praying to God. And I just started, I started saying, God, I like to drink beer. I like to, I like to sleep around. And if you want something different for me, you're going to have to change my heart. Kind of threw down the gauntlet to God. God took my challenge. And when Trevor was born, third day song came on the radio, cry out to Jesus. And my heart just broke. And I said, all right, God, I give it all up to you. All of that, I'm done with life on my terms. I'm done doing it my way. I give it to you. I don't have anything to give to you, but all these broken pieces, you can have them. If you can do anything with it, I'm yours. And so anything that you see in my life that reflects anything good is a true miracle from God. And it's through Jesus Christ. And He'll do the same for you. But you've got to quit doing it your way. You can't make up your own truth. Our culture is famous for that. We get to make up our own truth. You have your truth, I have my truth, blah, blah, blah. So stupid. There's only one truth. And the truth, right here, the truth will set you free. Quit trying to make up your own terms and just embrace the truth, which is what the people who should have known did not do all those years ago. Back then, wise men sought him. Today, wise men seek him still. Merry Christmas, everybody. I will see you in 2022.